Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. Welcome, welcome once again to Business Story of the Week, where we bring you the best and the most interesting when it comes to the business world, entrepreneurs, executives, you know how it is. We bring you the success stories that you love to hear to complement your journey when it comes to the business world. Today is no different. Today, we've got a special guest for you. We've got a a man, an orange man himself, (laughs) who is going to be telling us a very interesting side of that uh, orange color. But before we get into that, let me tell you a little bit about him. Chester Elton is renowned as the apostle of appreciation, and he is a leading figure in building exceptional workplace cultures, and he has dedicated over two decades two decades to guiding organizations in aligning employee engagement with their strategic goals, right? Um, His works are praised as fascinating and refreshing by Fortune magazine. It extends to his role as co-author of several New York Times and number one bestsellers, including All In, The Carrot Principle, we're going to talk a little bit about that, Leading with Gratitude, and Anxiety at Works. These books have been translated into 30 languages and have sold collectively 1.5 million copies all over the world. He's a founding partner of the Culture Works, the Culture Works, and a sought-after leadership consultant and executive coach. Elton has impacted firms like American Express, the World Bank, and he is recognized by the global gurus as a top 10 leader in organizational culture and leadership in 2023. He is also a committed member of the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Pay It Forward Project and served on the board of the Camp Corral, supporting children of military heroes. Chester Elton's expertise and passion for transformative leadership and culture makes him a figure in this realm of organizational excellence. But, you know, we're here to talk about the man himself. He's going to share us today his stories. Chester, how are you doing? How is your day? And Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Joshua. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Del- delighted to be with you, to spend some time with you. Always a pleasure. That's fantastic. And you seem like uh, like you're down for any kind of conversation. So we're just going to get into this, right? Chester, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm a young buck. You know, I don't have that much experience. And I'm always looking up to people who has big extensive experience in whatever niche they are in and you've spent over 20 years digging into company culture teamwork employee engagement you even wrote all these books telling you about that um give me the download what are your biggest takeaways in this past 10 years your biggest takeaways you've found when it comes to um energizing and making engaged and productive and making a really strong team culture, you know, and from everything that you've gone through, what would you say are the need to know, the need to know 
for leaders who want to build an awesome culture? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. Adrian Gossick's my co-author, and as you mentioned, for over 20 years now, uh, we've been studying workplace culture and leadership and teams and so on. Uh, we have a database of over a million engagement surveys, countless interviews that we've done for our books and, and case studies and so on. What's fascinating, Joshua, is in every one of those exceptional cultures, exceptional leaders and exceptional teams, is this common thread of gratitude. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and it's a leadership attribute that a lot of people think of as a soft skill, a, a nice to have, not a must have. Right, right. It's so interesting that as you really take a deep dive on the data and you take a deep dive on productivity and so on, innovation, all the key indicators of great cultures, that is always there. And it's not a soft skill. It's very much a power skill. So a couple right. of key takeaways is that People are always going to be important, right? We, we have all kinds right. of advances in technology and so right. on, and those are all great in enhancing productivity right. and so on, information flow. It still comes back down to how do you lead people? And one right. of the key ways that you lead people in these great cultures and teams is you find ways to engage, enable, and energize them, right? Engage, engage them around your mission and vision, right? Enable right. them with the training and the tools to deliver on that promise. And then that right. energizing, you know, not so much what we do and how we do it. Why do we do it? Do my values right. align with yours? When you've got that energizing component along with enablement and engagement, that's when really good things happen because you've got that passion. You know, my father always said, look, there's no substitute for enthusiasm. And, and it's very it much is. true. You know, when you love what you're doing and you think it's going to make a difference and, and you can connect the dots to what you do every day to, to making that vision and, and mission come true, that's where the magic happens. Now, the best way to energize your people okay. is to make sure their voices are heard, that their opinions matter, right. and when they produce and deliver you celebrate. You know, we talk about a, a carrot culture, right? A culture right. with more more carrots and less sticks, right? <laughs> and when people feel valued and appreciated, again, energy levels go up, commitment goes up, right. productivity right. goes up. Does that all make sense? Absolutely, Chester. Um, I love how you said that gratitude, enthusiasm. Are those two things that always go hand in hand in your experience? Or is it this one you have to be gratitude to have enthusiasm. Is it always a uh, hand-in-hand <laughs> hand thing? You know, a great quote from uh, the wonderful Brene Brown, you know, who's done a lot of writing on emotions and so on, mm -hmm. said, you know, it's not, um, it's not the joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. So uh, it, oh. gratitude really does come first. Um, and, and you've seen this. You know, I, I've seen quite an evolution in leadership over the last uh, couple of decades. You know, right. when I first came into the workforce, it was very much command and control. You know, we didn't question uh -huh. why ours was to do and die. Right. This is a very right. simple formula. Um, and then it became more collaborative. Right. It was more uh -huh. of a, a team atmosphere. And then, of course, you brought in. Uh, diversity and so on, and you wanted different right. opinions, and and all very healthy in this in this roadmap. Right now, what we're seeing is the very best leaders are the best teachers, right? Mm -hmm. They're mentors, they're coaches. You right. you think of who had the biggest impact in your life over and above your immediate family, your, maybe your father, mother, or uh -huh. grandparents, whoever uh -huh. raised you. You always come back to there was that teacher that believed right. in me. There was that coach. Mm -hmm that cheered me on. There was a mentor that walked me through, you know, the do's and don'ts of, of really um, a life worth living. And so 
what we're finding is, is now the best leaders really are coaches. And we talk very much about a coaching culture. Well, you think right. about your coaches, your teachers, your mentors. They were right. always very demanding, right? They pushed yeah. you to be better. Uh -huh. At the same time, they were your biggest cheerleaders. You know, they were the ones that, that made true. sure that, you know, you can do this. You've done hard things, pushed through. I'm cheering for you. I've got your back. I, I will tell you in the executive coaching that I've been doing lately in particular, I had one executive I was coaching and we went through this whole thing and I'd send in these little notes. And so when he said, you know, it makes such a difference to know that you're cheering for me. And I wow. thought, of course, that's, that's what coaches do. Right. Wow. So that's, that's, uh, I, I think an insight and an evolution. The other thing, Joshua is, we often think about what will our legacy be? You know, how right, will we right. be remembered? Right. Uh -huh. And this idea, if you want to be remembered, teach. You know, we remember our teachers. Yeah. And so if you want to be remembered, if you want to have influence, that ripple effect, learn how to coach, learn how to teach and, and become a great mentor. Isn't that lovely? That is that's, that's such a powerful thing to say and also a powerful thing to be told to you, Chester. Like, wow, like, thank you for cheering me on. Thank you for being there. What, what, a, what a way to leave a legacy, right? And now that we're moving forward, you know, we're moving into the future. I, I'm really curious how you're translating all these two decades of experience, right? Because right now, um, a lot of companies are going fully remote. Right. Especially it all started during the pandemic. And now there's tons of debate going around whether people are more productive at home. Are they more productive at the office? Um, before I get to the real gist of the question, I'd love to have your take on that. What is your take on that? Do you think people are more productive working from home or do you need to have an office, a physical office to build a culture? Well, you know, this is the question of our day, right? <laughs> yes, the, precisely. Do, do, do I have to go into the office? Uh, and it all depends on what your commute is, right? Like I live in New yes. Jersey, just outside New York, and the commute into the city is, is not that great, you know, it, yeah. unless you've got your own helicopter, in which case it's a breeze, right? Uh, and so you, you're going to do everything you can to avoid that killer commute, that, you know, soul-crushing <laughs> New Jersey yeah, transit experience. Absolutely. And so a lot of it just depends on your job. For example, I've got a, um, a son who works in the financial industry and very much okay. data-driven. Is he more productive uh, being at home and having that extra time that he would normally be on the train? Yeah, he is. And, and so is the whole team. So I, I think in certain jobs, there's no question productivity can go up, right? Yes. Uh, then there are other jobs. Look, if, if you're in retail, you have to show up. You can't, you, can't, you know, you you know, no you can't do that remotely. So a lot of it depends on the job. Now, where you've got options, right, where you can say, and you, you're seeing companies are saying, look, we were fully remote during the pandemic. We had to keep you safe. Perfect sense. Now they're saying, look, okay. I want you to come into the office two days a week or three days a week. Some have okay. said, look, it's five days a week. And if, if that's not for you, yeah. that's fine. We'll wish you well. Right. Go, go right. find a job somewhere else. Here's, here's the dilemma. I, I honestly believe that at our core, we are social animals. We are social yes. animals. We like yes. to be with other humans. And so I think that you've, you've got to continue to find that balance mm -hmm. because there is something very different about being in, in the same room, breathing the same air, ideating right. around a whiteboard. And I know there are right. tools online where well, we've got virtual whiteboards. Mm -hmm. but yes, and, and, and they can work well. 
I still sure. think at our core, we are social animals and you've got to create those moments. And, and here's why, in my opinion, okay. the way that you recruit and you bring bright people into your company, into your team, whatever it may be, is retention. How do you retain people? I think it's a lot harder to retain and, and get that devotion and that emotional connection when people are full and remote. It's just harder, right. in my opinion. Now, look, people are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. Uh, my opinion is is that human contact makes sense. We we break bread together. I, I think eating together is kind of a sacred moment. I, I really do. We 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 feed each other. We cook for each other. You know, we're yes. we're, we're out there. There's something yes. to be said for just hanging yes. out after work and going to the bar and throwing darts and you know having a couple of beers, whatever, yes. whatever it is you do. So. Yes and yes. Are you more productive remotely? Yeah, depending on your job, you can be very. If you're wanting to build a really strong culture, you've got to find ways to get together. I will tell you that, you know, Adrian Gostick, my co-author and I, we, we speak at conferences, in person okay. and virtual. In uh, 2022 and 2023, right. our in-person business exploded. People couldn't wow. wait to get back together. Oh, and wow. it was so joyful. And wow. particularly companies that had international presence, but they fly people in from London. They fly people in from right. Singapore. And it was noisy. It was joyful. It was, right. it was, it was so affirming, right? Because we'd been right. apart for, for so long. Exactly. So I, I, I'm a big fan. By the way, I know your listeners are probably big readers. One of my favorite books is called The Good Life by Robert Waldinger. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. And he talks about what are the elements of a long, happy, and healthy life. An 80-year study done at the Harvard uh, University, right, or Harvard College, as they say. Right, right. And the number one, the number one element of a long, happy, and healthy life, and there's lots of data to back it up, right? Literally right. hundreds of thousands of data points, is deep and meaningful relationships. So think about that. How do you develop a deep and meaningful relationship? Uh, can you do that? over a video chat? Maybe. Maybe. I'll tell you what, though, there's nothing, nothing better than having a meal with somebody, you know, going to a hockey game. I'm Canadian. So going to a hockey game is a very spiritual experience for me, Joshua. <laughs> um, you see what I'm saying? So a long That's answer to, to a detailed question. I think for you as a leader, you've got to figure out how, how do I get the best of both worlds? How do I allow the flexibility to my employees that say, look, I need to take my kids to school. I need to be here right. when they come back. And and remote right. is the best way to do that. And at the same time, finding ways that we can breathe the same air and, and create those, you know, those emotional connections. That's that's a really fantastic way to put it, Chester. I am a big proponent of having meals together. Right. If you are all in the same household. And you're not eating meals together. What is the point? That is, to me, is really quite sacred. And that if you have an opportunity to eat with someone or to eat who whoever you're with, whoever you're hanging out with, it is very important. It's those small moments. And I totally agree that maybe uh, like workplace breaks, you know, like uh, hanging out afterwards, that does really form a strong culture. And I love how you said that. You know, actually, you already answered the question I was going to ask after that. You know, I was going to ask, like, how how are leaders going to navigate this shift, you know, this hybrid type of thing? Because people are going remote, people are going hybrid or, you know, 
people don't want to go to work or physically report physically. And you answered that really well. Um, yeah. I want to let me let me jump in. Go ahead, go let ahead, me jump ahead. in really quick because I, I love this concept of we eat together. We found the most fascinating case study on Please. firefighters, firefighters and firehouses. Okay. Right, so right. They, they wanted to say, OK, why were certain, you know, fire stations more responsive, you know, quicker to the fire and stayed safer? One of the key elements was when they went to these firehouses, did they eat together? Isn't that interesting? Now you talk oh. about, you know, and you've got all these you know, firehouse subs and the firehouse chili and, you know, right. firefighters are, are known for their food. They said, when we came into a firehouse and we saw that they ate together, their response mm -hmm. times were faster, their safety wow. records were better. And so uh -huh. they said, in fact, one of the key elements we knew when there was um, problems with the culture is when they ate right. separately, there was a disconnect. Right. So I, right. I am all, all in on create ways to just grab a bite and, and, and share a meal. Yeah. Good for you. Would you, would you suggest to like, if everyone remotes works remotely most of the week, you know, set aside one day to just eat, but not, you know, but not report for work. Right. You know, that seems like an interesting yeah, concept. Yeah. When you, well, and you've, you've seen companies do that with their remote workers, right? They'll, they'll give them an Uber eats gift card and they'll right. say, look, today we're just going to have a lunch Zoom or order a, a salad, order a burger, whatever it is, is your preference. And let's just hang out and eat. And again, you can do it remotely. And I think it's a great idea. It, yes. is, it as, is it as impactful as if we're all sitting around the table? I, I don't think so. And yet, see, that was yes. a leader that figured out, look, let's, let's at least try to simulate that. Right. And it was really fun. They'd right. go around and say, so what did you order? And why, right? right? And they talk right. about the, the the meal that they ordered, and and right. so on. So you can you can do it. Uh, like I say, though, you really do need to find ways to try to meet together. There's there's magic in that, I believe. That's true, and I, I, I totally agree with that, Chester. I love that Uber Eats concept. Um, I probably share that with some of my friends now, um, <laughs> but. Let me let me touch up on this a little bit, and I do have a, a question towards the end that I want to ask. But before we move to that one, um, we're we're very aware that Gen Z is inheriting, or rather, entering the workforce right now, right? And they're looking for more meaningful jobs. You know, they want flexibility, they want connection, and you've you've shown us like a different like hybrid solutions to these kinds of like, how do you engage them? How do you make them feel like their, you know, meaningful job? Um, when it comes to traditional hierarchical organizational structure that you've been used to, uh, actually meeting, how do, you see, how do you see these traditional organizations meeting the expectations of Gen Z workers? Um, does it need to adapt? And what do you think, what would you suggest organizations to make it better to attract Gen Z and retain Gen Z talent. So this is very specific, right? This is particularly for Gen Z because this is the future of the workforce. How do you, what do you think about that, Chester? Yeah, I mean, in the next few years, 27% of the workforce in North America is going to be Gen Z. So mm -hmm. of course you need to figure that out, you know? Yeah. And in one of our latest uh, books that Adrian and I published, we called it Anxiety at Work, right? Eight strategies right. to deal with anxiety. Uh, Gen Z is by far the most anxious generation, mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. when you go up through 
Gen Z and millennials and Gen X and baby boomers and so on. We got all these, you know, labels. I think one of the things as leaders that you've got to be careful is to not uh, pigeonhole uh, people just simply because of their right. age and their generation. Right. There are lots of Gen Zs that are going to act like baby boomers, and there are lots of Gen Zs that are going like, to act like millennials and so on. I That's think true. what you need to do as a leader is um, be be very individual. Be craft your your roles craft who it is to the individual and what i mean by that is we had a wonderful case study of the international space station uh -huh. the most productive team that went up three russian cosmonauts two american astronauts and a canadian commander um, a guy named chris right. hadfield amazing guy by the way mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they wanted to know why was this group the most productive well they had generational gaps uh, 31 years between the youngest astronaut and the oldest right, cosmonaut right, right? Mm -hmm. and one of the things that Hatfield did is he said, we knew each other's stories. So I think that's really a key, right? So I have somebody, oh, they're Gen Z. My assumption is they're going to be this, 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 and this. Right, right. Well, maybe not, you know. I'll tell you, it was really interesting. I was working with this um, young guy, really smart, loved him, uh -huh. and uh, Asian descent. And I said, hey, I was in, tell me a little bit about your family. Like, mm -hmm. where did you come from? He says, mm -hmm. well, my parents are from Vietnam. I said, oh, that's great. Okay. How did they how did they get from Vietnam? I said, right at the end of the Vietnam War. Now, they had him when they were much older, right? He mm -hmm. says, right at the end of the Vietnam War, when it all started to collapse, my parents literally jumped in a rowboat and rowed out in, into, the, into, the, into the sea. And American sailors rescued them. They were, at oh, the time, no. they were called boat people, right? They, yes, they, were, yes. they were literally plucked out of the ocean oh, my by goodness. American sailors. And then wow. made, made their way to the United States and uh, oh, wow. became very entrepreneurial. They opened a bunch of nail salons and so on. Wow. And all their kids went to college and are all doing well. Yeah. Well, knowing that part of his story uh -huh. changed everything for me about him. And I said, well, so tell me what some of the values your parents instilled in you. He said, education is everything. You always work hard. You never make excuses. And family is everything. Well, oh, knowing that... So that's where he came from. And then I said, well, so how did you get here? Like, why did you choose or how did we end up choosing you? And went through right. the hiring process. And then you say, so what is it you want to accomplish while you're here? And have them tell you their dreams and aspirations. And then the, oh the, what I love is the developmental question is, and where do you see yourself three to five years from now? Yes. Well, if I'm a leader, regardless of what generation you are, but I think particularly for Gen Z, uh -huh. If I know your, where you came from, how you got here, what right. you want to accomplish while you're here and where you want to go, now I can craft a, a way forward for you. I can coach you. I can mentor you. I can, I, I can, I can help you develop and grow, not just Fantastic. as a worker and a leader, a, as a person. So I think the answer to a lot of questions, regardless of the, of the generational regardless. definition, mm -hmm. is, is know their stories. Now, the second part, okay. he said, I think the reason we were so productive was we had one unwritten rule in the in the space station. And that was okay. every astronaut had to perform a random act of kindness for every other astronaut every day. Small little acts of service. And he said, because of that, we never had a heated argument. Nobody lost their temper. It was the little things that made a difference. I'm serving you. You're on my team. I'm cheering for you. I care for you. And it made all the difference. I, I know we're at time here and I know we got to wrap things up, but I hope your takeaways are is know your people's stories, 
serve yeah. them and recognize them in little ways often because yes. that message and those relationships carry you forward through hard times, through difficult assignments, through crushing projects, because I know I've got somebody that's cheering for me, that cares about me, and we can do this. Wow. Th those are really just genuine ways, it, regardless if it's a workforce, right? In every facet of life, it's such a genuine way to make connection, to give back. And of course, it, it makes sense that knowing other people's stories makes them feel more meaningful when it comes to in any scenario, right? I love that you shared that, Chester. That's probably my favorite part of this interview now. But I do have one last question for you. And this is more, you know, like for you to give your uh, an opportunity for you to share what else it is that you want to tell the audience. But I'd like to start it off by, by asking, what is your go-to way the number one thing that if like if you were to tell me one thing to do every day to be grateful, a gratitude practice, what would it be, Chester? Tell me and I do it every day. <laughs> well, your timing couldn't be any better, Joshua. You know, I, I'm a big uh, journaler. I've got many journals in my closet oh, wow. that I'm sure okay. no one will ever read. Um, I started a few years ago a gratitude practice and keeping a gratitude journal. Wow. How do you start your day? How do you end your day? And then it was so funny. I said to Adrian, I said, by the way, we're the apostles of appreciation, the gurus of gratitude, the Dalai Lamas of workplace trauma. I can't believe that we don't have our own gratitude journal. Oh. So we did. We published it. And now I know this is just audio. I'm holding it up. It's called oh. The Gratitude Habit, a 90-day journal for a more grateful uh -huh. life. I'm a big oh. fan of tokens and rituals. So the token is the book, right? The ritual is right. how do you start your day? Three things you're grateful mm -hmm. for for the day. Three things that you're hopeful that will happen during the day. Okay. A little positive uh, thought, right? Okay. And then you launch into your day. And then at the end of the day, what are okay. three things you were grateful for? What was one thing you learned today? Okay. And then probably my favorite part is at the end is write down the names of all the people that you're grateful for that came into your oh, life today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful reflection. It, it it's oh, going to be on Amazon um, in March. If you go to thecultureworks dot com, uh, you right. can buy them direct for us. I actually, did a nice little discount. So, uh, really all encourage. Right. I'm a big fan of tokens and rituals. Now, to wrap okay. up, all go these ahead. principles that we teach about a great culture and a great leader, mm -hmm. uh, we always say. By the way, this will work in the workplace. We have all these data points. We have all these case studies. If you do it, it'll work. Don't leave it at work. Take it home. So this gratitude wow. journal is a take it home principle, right? Wow. Uh, when okay. was the last time you did a little micro act of kindness for your partner, for your girlfriend, boyfriend, neighbor, and so on? And I will tell you, my wife and I have a wonderful little ritual that we do every uh -huh. night. Um, uh -huh. And we've been happily married for 40 years. So Joshua set a goal, okay, <laughs> is that at the end of the day, we say, what are your three? What are your three? Tell me three things you're grateful for today. It's just such a lovely way to end the day. And what does it always end up? It's, there's more than three. And as we wrap up the day, you know, of course, who are we most grateful for? I'm most grateful for her. And with any kind of luck, she's most grateful for me. And so you end the day with a very nice, you know, recap of the good parts of your day. And what are you telling wow. each other? How much you love each wow. other? It's just so lovely.
It's very lovely. I, that was a word that had been going through my mind the entire time you were saying that. What a loving way to live life. You know, yeah. and uh, thank you so much for Chester because I am gonna I am gonna look watch out for that book and for all the audiences as well, all the listeners out there. Make sure you grab yourselves a copy. You guys heard it here first. You guys heard it. <laughs> you know, you guys heard everything that Chester has you know has put out there, and I'm really looking forward to that book. Catch it at thecultureworks.com. Is there anywhere else that we can catch you, Chester? You have yeah, LinkedIn follows. socials. We do. We we placed a big bet on LinkedIn years ago. Uh, we have over okay. six hundred thousand followers, which is kind of nice. Wow. And every other week, we publish the gratitude journal, and I, we're so gratified. We have over three hundred thousand subscribers. Oh. Uh, every other week, we publish a, a great little interview we did, or some thinking that we had, or or a little. And we we've had you know well over. I believe we're hitting two hundred. Uh, journals so far. And it, it, to me, it's very satisfying that we have over 300,000 subscribers, because what does that tell you? People are looking for that positivity in their life. They're looking for that bit of encouragement, you know, a couple of takeaways. We also have a wonderful podcast called Anxiety right. at Work. And, right. and again, we bring in lots of business leaders. We bring in lots of experts. How do you deal with anxiety? And what I'll tell you is so interesting, Joshua. Remember that common please. thread of gratitude? Eight yes, strategies uh -huh. on how to deal with your anxiety at work. The eighth strategy, okay. strategy is develop a gratitude ritual. You can't hold two emotions at the same time. You can't be anxious and be grateful at the same time. So if you have a choice between anxiety and grateful, Joshua, pick Pick, pick grateful. It's way more. It's way more satisfying. It's way more happy. <laughs> it's way more joyful. And what a way to wrap up the. What a quote. What a line to wrap up this episode. Pick gratitude. We should have that as a hashtag, right? Hashtag pick gratitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chester, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time here. Um, regardless of the show or, or the audience, I would personally love to say that uh, that was such a meaningful. Um, uh, knowledge that I received from you and I'd love to stay connected and I will watch out for that journal. That's for sure. You can guarantee yeah. that. <laughs> Guys, yeah, thank you. you heard it here. Um, you heard it here first. Go get your copies and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much, Cheshire. It was a delight, Joshua. You can call me anytime. Cheers. All right. So here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.